Hello, and welcome to What in Tarnation, Tar Heel Blog's hot take podcast. This week, we're celebrating UNC's huge win over Miami. I'm Tanya Bondurant, and with me, as always, is Brandon Anderson. Brandon, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. That was a fun game last night. I managed to get my voice back so I could talk to all you lovely people. Wasn't very confident that was going to happen, to be honest, but I'm here. We're going to talk some... uh, talk some UNC Miami. I'm ready. Yeah, I was really not sure that this podcast would happen after hearing Brandon's voice last night, but here we are. Yeah, it was rough. It, I, I don't even know that I could replicate it. It was so bad, but just know it was really, really bad. <laughs> and see, I was in the press box last night, so all of my screaming had to be like internalized. Yeah, I don't envy you for that because I know that every little thing that happened on my end, it was definitely just like, ah, ah, yes, yes. There was one point where I wanted to like dance on top of the table. And then there was one point where I was considering jumping out of the window. So we really had all the emotions covered there. Yeah, I would definitely say so. It, it was it was such an emotional game, and it didn't help that, I mean, I was, I was surrounded by Hurricanes fans, and that was insufferable, especially this guy that had this Dade County hat and just kept throwing up the U the whole time. Like, he's very fortunate that I didn't just return with the U down once the clock expired. I'm not going to lie. I mean, he would have had it coming. He would have had it coming. I would have looked him dead in the eyes and just been like, hey, 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 and then just did it and then walked away. But, you know, I'm better than that, kind of, sort of. Speaking of the sort of emotions of last night, I really can't remember the last time I've felt like this about Carolina football. I mean, I was literally shaking in the press box during the fourth quarter, particularly on Miami's final drive. It was it was wild. I didn't know how to process all of the emotions that I was feeling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a well-documented Carolina basketball fan. It took me a little while to get into football, but it, so I started really watching it kind of during the Fedora era, and even during their really good years I mean what I would consider really good years I mean it's not like they let's just call them really good years for the sake of discussion um I don't think that I was nearly as invested in any of those games quite the way that I was yesterday I mean of course I have a competitive streak to me so in a way that I'm always excited when UNC wins just any sport but last night was definitely a little different It was one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is Miami. This is a team that, and correct me if I'm wrong, was in the preseason top 25 that everybody kind of looked at that and was just like, yeah, y'all probably aren't going to win, including myself. I am one of those people, but we did it. And it was just one of those moments where I was just like, I can finally accept the fact that Carolina is going in the right direction on the field. I think they've been going in the right direction everywhere else, but on the field, I was just like, it, it was really, really exciting. 
And I mean, the atmosphere in Keenan Stadium was insane. Like, we knew it was sold out. We knew the weather was going to be nice. But having it, like, actually be as full as I think I can ever remember it being. And I know that neither one of us is that old, so we don't have the longevity of memory that some people will. But I know that I can never remember it being that packed and also packed that early. Like, Mac Brown asked for everyone to be in their seats 30 minutes ahead of time, and people were in their seats 30 minutes ahead of time. It was loud. People were super pumped up. And, I mean, that really carried over from pregame into the game itself. The first quarter couldn't have really gone better for Carolina. And I think all of that kind of helped because, I mean, man, it was it was electric. Yeah. Um, I definitely remember looking at how much time was left on the clock before the game got started. And I was kind of looking around and I got a little nervous that the seats weren't going to be filled and that, you know, they do the little pan around with the camera for the ACC network and then state fans or whoever else would get their ammo to be like, oh, y'all aren't even going to show up for Mac Brown's first game, da-da-da-da-da. But let me tell you, I looked up again and just about every seat was filled. I was really happy about that. And just from the beginning to the end, I feel like the energy in the crowd was awesome. Um, it, it just... And I think I was even telling you earlier today, like normally when they do the video board thing with the players and they're trying to get the crowd all hyped and everything, everybody just kind of sits there like, what are we getting hyped for though, really? But people would react to everything that they had going just on the video boards, on the field, all of it, all of it. Um, it was awesome. I That's the most fun I've had at a Carolina football game ever, which for me isn't saying a whole lot because I've only been here for five years. But, I mean, even still, I feel like that's saying a lot. It's probably saying a lot about Larry Fedora's tenure, but I will try to keep from going into that too much. Yeah, I mean... It was really all that you could have asked for out of the home opener. I think it set a good tone for the rest of the season. Hopefully, the fact that people were willing to... I mean, obviously, last week was a big win. But the fact that people were willing to spend their money on the tickets, come out, be loud, be invested, after it would have been very easy to not be invested this early after what the last two seasons have been like. So the fact that it was that loud and that exciting and, I mean, the result was amazing. Like, if you weren't there and you had the chance to be, you have to be just, like, kicking yourself because it was it was a really, really cool thing to see and experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there is part of me that wonders if it would have been like that had they not been South Carolina last week. But honestly, it doesn't matter. I mean... Because they did. Yeah, they did. And then they turned around and beat Miami. So we're not going to talk hypotheticals. What happened, happened. 
we are where we are right now, and we are in a good place going into next week. So that's all that matters. Also, can I just say that this is now a Sam Howe fan podcast because I would, like, go to the ends of the earth for that dude right now. He, like, like the gif of, like, that's my quarterback, like, bringing Terrell Owens to tears, like, that is me the last two weeks. Like, I'm there. Yeah. That is my quarterback. That is my quarterback. That is my quarterback that went 16 for 24 through the air for 274 yards. Two touchdowns, zero interceptions. The kid is honestly fantastic. You could not have asked for a better start to his career. And I would trust him with my life at this point. And I realize that that is a lot to say after two games. But also... He has shown so much in just two games. He's shown a lot. And I found a stat earlier that I wanted to share with you. And I apologize for not doing fact-checking first. I'll go back. And if I'm wrong, I'll go ahead and correct that on the next podcast. But um, this was a tweet that I found. When trailing in the fourth quarter, Sam Howell is a perfect 8-for-8 for 139 yards Three touchdowns, six first downs. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think it. So let me start by this. They were able to do fine in the run game. When you go back and look at the stats, I mean, rushing yards wise, there was 97 yards, which. In the NFL, I mean, that's that's fine. That That's really fine. You would probably expect more out of college, but honestly, in the grand scheme of things, it's fine. But what kind of bothers me when I look at all that is just I'm remembering parts of the game where they probably should have done things a little different. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about last week. But this week especially, I was paying close attention to what Miami was doing on defense. There were so many times where I only saw one safety in the backfield. The box was loaded. And there was just some weird run play that happened. And we were running into these situations again where it was like third and long and stuff. And they ran. And... I understand to some level that you want to be safe with your quarterback. I get it. But also, third and long should never be coached to this this point where you're just running the ball. Especially when you have a quarterback that's doing as much as they're doing. I mean, it just it doesn't make sense to me. And one could look at the stats and be like, oh, the reason there's no turnovers is because they didn't throw the ball in those types of situations but I could also argue when they threw the ball in all the other situations they also didn't throw the picks so it's just like it's like I kept saying last week you just kind of have to let Sam Howell cook and good things happen and he showed that in a big way this weekend yeah I mean I'm not saying that we should abandon the run game by any means because no. Javante Williams is a dude. Like, yeah. he's amazing. However, I feel like at some points they were just so reluctant to let Hal throw it. I know at one point I think they called for a run on 
three straight downs, and it was like third and over 10 at one point, and they still called for a run. And it's just like you're not getting anywhere there. And I understand not wanting to let Hal turn it over in some like spectacular fashion or anything like that, but also let's be real, he's going to throw a pick at some point. Yeah. Now, granted, you don't want him to do that in that game because it's close and you're trying to win. But at the same time, I feel like you just have to have confidence in what he's shown. And what he has shown is that Carolina is best when they're letting him throw it, at least some of the time. What kind of sparked that fourth quarter comeback? It was how throwing it because he had to. And I just think we we can't let that get, like, completely shut down the way that it did in the second quarter particularly. Um, I tweeted in the – at some point in the fourth quarter. I think it was early on in the fourth quarter. I said, late in the first quarter, Sam Howell had thrown for 143 yards. He's thrown for less than 100 total since then. And – yeah, that's just not great balance because the first quarter was the quarter that they were the most successful in, mm-hmm. and he had thrown for 143 yards. Then he stopped throwing it, and the offense grinded to a halt. They scored three points total in the next two quarters, and then he was throwing it again, and they went on a game-winning drive. Yeah. Let Sam cook. Let Sam cook. And – I think it's important to stress what we're both saying here because you said it earlier. We're not saying don't run the ball. No. And I feel like, if anything, looking at the stats, one can make the argument that if we want to keep trying to do the run attack thing, which, I mean, like we said, we have to keep running. That That's just a fact. But if we're going to keep doing that, and we're going to keep limiting Sam Howell's throws because of it exactly the way things are, then look at Javante Williams. Look at that guy and be like, all right, you're going to be doing this then. And I'm not saying all the time, but if we're to go back in this particular game and look at who had the hot hand, he had 10 run attempts, 76 yards, averaged 7.6 yards per run and a touchdown. His longest run was 22 yards. In comparison, Michael Carter had 11 attempts, 30 yards, 2.7 yards per run. His long was 10. I will say that a lot of Javante's numbers, I think, came from that fourth quarter. I don't think they were as good going into the fourth quarter. That being said, um, it's another situation where I think fresh legs helped. Um, I just feel like... Sam Howell is really good, and you have a couple dynamic receivers for him to throw to. You have to trust him, and yes, he's going to make mistakes. That is inevitable. However, let him be the quarterback, let him throw the ball, and see what happens, because literally every time he's been allowed to throw the ball, good things have happened. That may not always be the case, but so far... There's been a very obvious contrast between Hal is able to throw the ball, Hal is not able to throw the ball. 
First half against South Carolina was so frustrating because Hal was not allowed to throw the ball. Yeah. The second and third quarters, I don't know if it's an allow thing, but he wasn't doing it. Second and third quarters against Miami were completely frustrating after the first quarter because Hal wasn't throwing the ball. Yeah. He should be throwing the ball. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things where at this point, UNC has to accept the fact that their quarterback can, will make mistakes. And so far, he's been great, like we've been saying. But to be afraid of him making those mistakes will just hinder them in the long run because if we want to look at a very strong example of a gunslinger, and I'm not saying how is, but if we want to look at somebody that made their career off of spectacular plays and critical errors, Brett Favre. They let that man just throw the ball all over the place, even though he had no business throwing half of what he threw, but Brett Favre is Brett Favre. He ended up winning Super Bowls. And this is not comparing how to Brett Favre, but what I am saying is that when you have a quarterback that has an arm, that has legs, you have to let them play. You just have to let them do what they do and see what happens. So we'll see if this may be something that they try for more in the game against Wake, I guess. I feel like the thing that I've been impressed with the most out of Hal is just his demeanor for someone who's playing in his second college game. I mean, I understand wanting to be careful with him, but I think one place that he showed tremendous poise was in the fourth quarter, he got sacked. And he got up and completed the fourth and seven team play that prolonged Carolina's drive. And that could have easily broken his spirit. That could have been a real turning point for the worse. And the fact that it wasn't, the fact that he gathered himself and completed a huge play that was basically what the game turned on, it just showed a lot of maturity that I don't think you really can expect out of a freshman, particularly a quarterback, but he has it. And I don't think we need to treat him with the kid gloves that you may have to treat a different freshman quarterback with. And he just seems to be so much more put together. And maybe that's just because the last two games have gone super well and it's easy to look put together when things are going well. But that drive against Miami was not easy as evidenced by the fact that they had to convert on a 4th and 17. So the fact that Hal was able to gather himself and come right back the next play to prolong the drive, I think says a lot about him, says a lot about his attitude, and it says a lot about like what's upstairs, which matters as much as anything he can do with his arm. Yeah, and I think it's safe to say that Sam Howe, along with any other quarterback, has no business making that play on fourth and 17. I just, I still don't know how he did it really, but also I don't know how Miami let Rontavious Groves get that open. I mean, he just, I, I, I mean, it's not like, I, I don't even know. I, I really don't, that whole play was just surreal. 
I just there's no universe in which I would expect anybody to come from like get out of a fourth and 17 situation. I can't even think of any NFL quarterbacks that I would be like, oh, yeah, I trust you to do this. And I'm not saying I still trust Sam Howell to do this again if if this happened tomorrow. But what I am saying is it's just how how just how how. I think it's possible that that's exactly how it happened was, I mean, if you're a Miami player, you're like, there's no way they're not getting this. It, it's done. You're going for it. Good luck. And maybe they got a little too confident and Groves was in the right place at the right time. How made the throw that he needed to make. And I, I mean, it's very possible that Miami just saw 4th and 17 and was like, eh, not going to happen. But it did happen. And I was telling Brandon earlier today, like, that's the kind of play that if it happens against your team where, like, all you have to do to win this game is to stop them on 4th and 17 and you don't do it, I would be sick for days. Like, on my deathbed, I would be thinking of the moment when my team – lost the game because they could not stop a fourth and 17. Yeah. Anybody that's been listening to podcasts or reading things that have involved myself at this point know that I am a Falcons fan and I've been through the worst type of pain that one can imagine. But fourth and 17 is a very particular level of pain, I feel like. It's probably still not twenty eight and three, but it's a it's a pretty high level of pain and it's not something that I would ever want to go through. I'm not saying it's something I would never wish on anybody because I can think of a few teams that I would wish it on, but I personally just would not want to go through it because I would just stay sick to my stomach on my tombstone. It would be like here lies the UNC football fan who lost on a fourteen or a four and seventeen pass from a Miami quarterback blah 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 yeah speaking of fourth and 17 we have to give major props to Phil Longo who was the one who convinced Mac Brown to go for it on fourth and 17 because Mac Brown was sending out the punting unit yeah and when when I saw that my reaction was this game's over because if Miami gets At first down, Carolina never gets the ball back. And I understand that Matt Brown probably saw fourth and 17 the same way we all did and thought, no way, can't happen. Might as well let your defense try. But Phil Longo believed, and it paid off for them, and I appreciate him for that. That says a lot about how much faith you have in your offensive coordinator to do that because – I know as a head coach, your job is basically to analyze the situation from, all right, this has this probability of, you know, basically getting out of this hole. And Mac Brown did what he thought was the smart decision. But for Phil Longo to come along and be like, hey, um, we can do this. And him being just like, oh, okay, go ahead and try it. I mean, that that says a lot about that staff and 
I'm I'm here for it. Like that that's pretty awesome. I know that we'd be having a different conversation if that did not work in our favor. I don't think we would though because I've always been a person who values process more than anything. Like if you if you make a good call and it doesn't work, you still made a good call. If you make a bad call, there's no coming back from that. So yeah. I always value the process. And in that situation, you have to try because otherwise it's white flag. You've decided you're not going to win this game. So I would have appreciated them going for it, even if it failed, just because it was the right decision. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Longo probably saw something in that defense, right? I mean, there had to have been some hole that he noticed, and he was just like, all right, get it to Groves in this spot. And Or he saw something in Sam Howe, because Sam Howe is the man. Oh, that's deep. I know. That's so deep. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you're out there and you're watching how have all this success, you're like, all right, little man, let's go. Try it. And it worked. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. And, I mean, kind of going on to another wild part of the game, UNC didn't have that many penalties. One penalty. One penalty. One penalty. How many did Miami get called for? I mean, I feel like they got called for quite... They they had some problems in that department. They did. Comparatively. Um, cannot find the number, but yeah. Oh, nope, here it is. Seven penalties for 57 yards. UNC had one penalty for five. Yeah, and that is huge improvement over the South Carolina game where I believe Carolina racked up 90 penalty yards over some of just the dumbest stuff. I mean, in the last post-game podcast we had, we were complaining about it because there were three false starts by wide receivers and just idiotic things that show a lapse of concentration, really. And the fact that they were able to clean it up to such a degree, they only got one penalty... And penalties could have been the difference between winning and losing. It was so close. So the fact that they were able to not shoot themselves in the foot is really, really big. Now, what was the one penalty? Because the ref, I couldn't hear the ref from down there. Was it I believe it was delay of game. Okay, that sounds about right. Because I think I remember somebody around me saying something like, I don't know what Howell's doing there. But, yeah, for that to be your only penalty, I mean, wow. Especially considering, I mean, here's the thing. UNC has their the roster that they have. And I think when you're playing against players that likely are a little more talented than you, like let's just call a spade a spade, Miami probably has more talent than UNC. I think that's safe to say. And I think when you're dealing with that, especially if you're dealing with that on defense, there's at least going to be like holding and all these other weird calls, and none of that happened. None of that happened, and it's impressive. They made a big turnaround from last week, and I'm very happy that they did because I was a little worried about that going into the game. It was a level of discipline we haven't really seen out of a UNC football team in a few years. 
because the frustrating, back-breaking penalties have just been a staple. And maybe it only ends up lasting for one game. I don't know. But it was really nice to see them not actively contribute to their demise this time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was really good to see. Um, So, Tanya, do you have a best of this game that you would like to share? My best of is Sam Howe. I mean, (laughs) I really can't not make it that because he was just incredibly impressive again. Everything he did or was able to do worked really well. When he was out there being his best self, Carolina looked their best, which was true last week as well. And I think that they can really go as far as they'll let him take them. And, yeah, he was just the most impressive player to me. Um, I can't say enough good things about him. That is my quarterback, and he was my best thing of the game. Brandon, what was your best thing of the game? I would say about the same, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, so what I will do is I will speak on a runner-up. And it's kind of funny that this is my runner-up because this wouldn't necessarily be a thing if the defense had done better at certain points in the game, but the goal line defense. I, I was very impressed by the way that they were able to stop Miami from scoring touchdowns for the better part of the first half. I mean, they gave up a bunch of yards. That part needs work, but they held their ground, and it was pretty amazing. I was happy with that, and they got worn down in the second half. I understand that, but um, yeah, that was – if they can keep that up but also work on – actually getting off the field because the time of possession was horrific um I think this defense is going to be good it's not going to be great like amazing or anything like that but I think they're going to be the UNC is finally going to have a good defense that you can rely on not just letting the team score a bunch of points and putting your offense in a bad situation so that's my runner-up to the obvious, which is Sam Howell. Yeah, I really wasn't able to tell whether the goal line defense was super good or Miami was just inept. It was probably a little bit of both because, I mean, they would get way down the field and then just fall apart. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's all on the goal line defense, but I don't think that's all just Miami making mistakes either. And honestly, we needed every bit of that because if some of those field goals turn into touchdowns, we're having a very different conversation right now. So yeah, they they were good. And I think that them getting a little gassed down the stretch is to be expected because they were on the field for so long. And they had to have been tired. But they came up huge so many times. And honestly, on the final drive, they kept Miami picked up big yardage at least twice and got it past midfield. And the fact that they then tightened up enough to force a 49-yard field goal 
instead of a 35-yard field goal, which probably ties the game. Who knows what conversation we're having after that. But the fact that they were able to tighten that up and force a really long field goal was really impressive. Yeah. So now that we've gotten the best of the game out of the way, what was the worst thing you saw? The punting. Yeah. The punting was atrocious. It was bad. I mean, at, at one point I was like, can we hold tryouts during halftime? Because <laughs> anything has to be better than this. Tom Shelton, where have you gone? Right. Can you come back? We miss you. I mean, I feel bad. I feel I always feel bad criticizing like one player like that. Um, I'm never going to feel good doing that. But it was really bad. And our colleague, Al Hood, actually predicted before this season started that special teams would cost us at least two games. And last night could have easily been one of those games with how poor the punting was. And what's funny about that is I feel like the rest of the special teams was, I mean, if you think about it, the special teams is the reason that we didn't go into overtime. If you want to look at it that way, we could look at it as the kicker just shanked that field goal and that was that. But, I mean, there was also a block one, right? There was a blocked uh, extra point. Yeah. Jason Strobridge got that one. Yeah. So, I mean, there was definitely some high points for the special teams in general. But, yeah, you're right. The kicking is like, maybe we could just talk to the UNC men's soccer team and see who knows how to kick a football and just just let them like walk on somehow. I don't know if that's feasible, but just anything is kind of better than where we're at right now. And like you said, it's not fun criticizing one player to this point. And I'm I'm sure, but I'm sure he's doing his best. He's doing his best. It's just a little rough. I think his long was like thirty five yards. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't good. And it's something, I mean, field position is huge. And if you can't pin them deep, if you can't, if you're constantly letting them start in really good field position, you're going to give up more points. Yeah. And nobody wants that. So I feel bad. I do feel bad. But I also have to be honest and. It was a it was a low point of the game for yeah. me. Do you have? I mean, I know you agree on the punting, but do you have a a runner up for your low point of the game? Um, I would say maybe the play calling on mostly on the offensive side of the ball, but I've kind of also beaten that horse to death as well. Um. And honestly, that wasn't so bad that I'm willing to make that worse to the game. But if I'm really thinking of everything as a whole, those are my biggest complaints are just kind of what was being called on offense at times and the kicking. Um, Yeah, I'm really worried that one day we're going to play a team that has spectacular special teams and the ball's only going to go like 30 yards and it's just going to get ran back for a touchdown lather, rinse, repeat 
for like the entire game and the idea of that is very painful to me yeah if i had to give sort of like a runner-up and this is not going to be criticizing anyone in particular but the injury situation was really bad in this game like yeah it seemed like people were dropping like flies and on a team where depth is not a strong point you know, seeing multiple people out for the rest of the game, it, it was tough, and it put them in a harder position because then somebody who's not as experienced needs to come in and carry the weight. And, I mean, they pulled it off, and credit to them, but it was disheartening to see so many players get injured again. Yeah, I think both teams definitely dealt with their fair share of that last night, and it was it was rough to watch, and part of me went into this weird place where I was like, "Is this because of the new field or something?" But I know that's not it. I mean, football players play on all kinds of turf all the time. I know that's not necessarily a thing, but um, yeah, it it was rough to see. Hopefully, we don't see a whole lot more of that next week because, like you said. There's positions where we're really thin. We just can't afford to have people injured in certain spots. And I think one of the uh, injuries was to the offensive line. Or was it two of them? I know it was at least one of them. The um, the starting center missed most of the game. Um, and I think there was also a lineman, maybe. But I, I know it was the starting center. Yeah. Yeah. So... Hopefully, we won't have to deal with that much more. Um, Tanya, do you have any closing thoughts? I think that's all I have for this time. All right. Yeah, I believe that's all I have, too. Um, Tanya, where can they find you on Twitter? I am at Tanya Bondurant, and I am also generally the voice behind at Tar Heel Blog. Awesome. And I'm at THB Brandon. Um, just a quick thing. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review if you so choose to and leave a comment. That helps us out a lot, and we would greatly appreciate that. And Chad Floyd, our other podcast host, he will read that those comments on the air if you leave them. So, um, yeah. I believe that's all we have for one tarnation for the post game show. We'll be back Wednesday with a new episode. So stay tuned, keep celebrating and go heels. Go heels.